Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the China Tech Investor Podcast presented by Technode.com. My name is Elliot Zagman, and I'm a contributor to Technode, and with me is my co-host, James Hull. Hi, James Hull here, and I manage a portfolio for myself, and I've been in China 11 years. Yeah, so both Jay, I've also been in China for nine, ten years as well. So we've spent a long time, James and I spent a long time uh, uh, in China following uh, the Chinese economy, following Chinese tech companies. And the purpose of this podcast is really, we say, to uh, seek truth from facts when it comes to uh, uh, the the Chinese tech scene and Chinese tech investor or investing. Um, so uh, I find both of us find that there's a lot of hype uh, on all sides when it comes to these companies. Uh, but what we would like to do is is really try to uh, get some clarity when it comes to uh, what these companies are about and whether or not they're good investments. Uh, we are really hoping to engage uh, an audience to really build a community. Um, James and I, we are we are tech investors ourselves. Um, we also uh, we don't know everything, um, <laughs> do we, James? <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, well, we're so we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And and that's kind of the, the attitude that we hope to take towards this podcast, um, is that we're just uh, two guys uh, interested in investing, interested in Chinese tech, and we're trying to figure it out. So if, if you are also somebody who is interested in Chinese tech companies, interested in Chinese tech investing, and are just trying to figure it out, uh, then this is the podcast for you. So uh, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. I'm Elliot Zagman. That's uh, E-L-L-I-O-T-T. -T. And James? And I'm James Hall X. That's J A M E S H U L L X. Yeah. So you can um, <clears throat> you can tweet at us. Uh, you know, let us know your opinions. Let us know what you think. And um, yeah, we 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 hope to be uh, engaging all of you. One thing that we do want want. Um, want everyone to know is that uh, we do have interest in the stocks that we will talk about. Um, we are not giving any investing advice. Um, we are just curious people. We're going to try to disclose as much information as, as we can. You know, we're not trying to hustle anybody here. We're not trying to sell any stocks or promote any stocks. We're just trying to have an honest, truthful conversation to help people, uh, you know, better understand uh, these these companies and, and, and what they are as investments. James, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Uh, yeah, just that you know, this is not advice, and we're not soliciting soliciting any services from anyone here. Uh, yeah, we're just trying to seek truth from facts and discussion. All right, in the uh, the the words of Deng Xiaoping, there um, we are are, are gonna shush sure, sure, sure when it comes to uh, Chinese tech stocks. Um, so what we're going to start off with here is we are building a watch list. So. Uh, we want to build a list of Chinese tech companies that we think are particularly interested, are particularly interesting, that we are interested in, in following and watching. Some of these uh, we may own ourselves, some of these we may not, but we think that they're interested, interesting to, to watch. And, uh, and if we do own, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be disclosing that as well. Um, so we're going to start off with five, but we're hoping uh, to, to build on that list. So if you have an idea as a listener for something that you think is or a company that you think is worth following, a stock that you're worth, that you're interested in, uh, let us know. Uh, t tweet at us and um, and let us know what you think, uh, why you think that these stocks are are worth following, um, and and why this company might be might be interesting. So, but the five that we are going to start off with um, is really what we might consider the the Chinese version of FANG. So FANG, F-A-A-N-G, uh, are the big uh, U.S. tech stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Um, and China kind of has its own version of that, right? And those are, <clears throat> we call it Tencent, uh, Alibaba, Baidu, ITE, and Xiaomi. Um, so we're going to go through each of them one by one, uh, introduce them, and just ask some questions that we have uh, about these companies. So to start off, we have Tencent. Right, so Tencent is uh, the famous uh, Shenzhen-based uh, gaming and social media company. Um, they are the the name behind WeChat, the the Chinese mega app, um, and they uh, 
they have not had the best year so far. So after peaking up, peaking at, uh, I believe trading at uh, around 429 Hong Kong dollars. No, or more than that. Uh, they, where, where was their high point here? They were at four, 469, 474. They're, anyways, uh, they're now down to 282. They've lost over 40% of their value this year. Uh, James, what is happening with Tencent here? Uh, well, I think their big headwind is um, game approvals. Uh, back in March, a new regulatory body was set up to approve the games, and supposedly they have a massive backlog of, backlog of content to review. Um, games in China have to get two types of approvals. Uh, the first is content approval, where they need to make sure all the content is completely in Chinese and there's no other language. Um, and then they need to get monetization approval. Um, so Tencent, you know, one of the big gaming companies along with NetEase, um, you know, Tencent launched their mobile PUBG game this year and they had content approval for it, but they hadn't had the monetization approval. And you can launch a game without monetization approval, but it has to be in like kind of a beta mode or free to play. Um, and then once you have monetization approval, you can start earning money from it. So kind of the hard thing for Tencent right now is that they have this massively popular game that is, I mean, it's, it's got a lot of user activity, but um, it could be dropping. I mean, people get tired of games. Mm. Uh, it's rare to have a game like, for example, World of Warcraft that's popular for decades. Um, so, you know, if this game's popularity starts to go down and they haven't, been able to monetize it yet, that investment that they've made, um, you know, in creating the mobile version of PUBG, uh, you know, will kind of be lost. Yeah, the, the gaming space in China is is one really big question mark. Um, gaming is one of those those tech areas in China where where China has been able to, Chinese companies has been able to really zoom ahead to a point where they are are, are world leaders um, in in that area, but. The, the regulation. Yeah, China's, China's the biggest market for games in the world. So there's a huge advantage for, for Chinese companies. And their they're, and they're gaming companies are, are they've, they've grown in, in, in abilities and in size. Um, and it, it seems for a long time we were talking about China as being this, this new uh, kind of gaming superpower. And now, I, from from the, the actions of regulators, I think you know we, we might not see uh, any new games until next year. But even once we see new games, uh, we don't really know what the future of gaming is in China. Um, I, I when it comes to to how how the government and how regulators look at the gaming industry, I don't know if they're super popular, super positive on it. I think that you know gaming games are becoming so addictive nowadays. I think that that there there seems to be some. Uh, thinking and some concern from regulators that um, it could be detrimental to to young people and, and to society in China. So um, it, it seems as though for for Tencent that gaming is not really their future. So they, their business has been ba based on gaming, but they 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 look to be going more into obviously their 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 investors and just about every major uh, you know a, a lot of major tech firms in China. Um, and they're also they they announced this uh, what we call a, st a strategic upgrade right before the October holiday um, and uh, which is basically saying that they're they're completely kind of restructuring um, how they're they're looking at their business and um, they it seems as though they're going much stronger into uh, into enterprise uh, and into uh, med tech, um, which is uh, something that they've been toying around with for a while. But it seems like they're they're really trying to 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 rearrange uh, the direction that they're going in now. But Tencent, as at one point they're not anymore, but was a five hundred billion dollar company. I mean, to to strategically upgrade, as they say, or that's one thing if you are a one billion dollar company. But you know, this is like turning an aircraft carrier around, turning the Titanic around. This is not an easy task. Um, and I think if you are an investor in Tencent, as I am, as uh, James, I believe you are as well, um, I, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, there, there is reason to be worried, but 
I personally am a little bit more optimistic. And this is why, is because the core, the fundamentals of Tencent, I think are quite strong. Tencent as uh, the, the, the company behind WeChat, I mean, I think WeChat could possibly be, if you're looking at just the value of a platform, the most valuable platform, social media platform in the world. I think the argument could be made that they're a more valuable platform than Facebook just because of how many Chinese people are on it and how much they do using WeChat, right? So I'm on Facebook, but I check Facebook maybe once a day. Um, I'm not even in China right now and I use WeChat constantly. So Tencent, as the, the, the company behind WeChat, they control so much of China's data that, you know, it's been helpful as using the WeChat platform to kind of foray or to, to, to or arrange a foray into uh, in, into gaming, but they could do this with any industry. They could do it uh, with med tech, which they seem to be doing. Uh, they could do it with with transportation. They could do it with with just about anything. So um, while o over the short term, I think you have to be concerned about Tencent. For the long term, I personally am very bullish when it comes to the company. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think it, you know, just to add to on, on WeChat, I don't think there's anybody, maybe a handful of people in China that are not on WeChat and don't use it on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's like Facebook. If every single American was on it, um, it'd be like, I guess that's sort of the case for Facebook. But Facebook, I think, is getting most of their growth now from uh, international audiences. International um, audiences, and I think they're also their um, their subsidiaries. So like Instagram, so right? To be a, a Instagram from there for them. Um, because yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I I know very few young people who are really using Facebook that much. You know, <laughs> yeah. when I, when I go on Facebook, it's all you know my aunt, you know, my seventy year old aunt, you know, complaining about uh, her cats or something like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I think that with with, with WeChat though, um, there's no competitor. WeChat has a moat the size of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, their their government services connected with it. Their payment service service is connected with it i you can't can you imagine living or just even surviving for a day in china without wechat james uh no i could i could not without weixin pay wechat pay uh i you know and just the ability to message it. i mean so much so much happens on wechat between business related things between connecting with uh your friends and colleagues and organizing meeting everything i mean everything's there file share like sending back and forth documents i mean everything happens on wechat yeah so i i the way that i like to think about uh tencent is that because they really haven't monetized wechat very much at all um it's it's there there are a lot of there's a lot of potential but they they don't seem to be advertising much on it there are a lot of regulations that prevent them from doing a lot with their uh with the wechat wallet flow um but so i i, I do wonder why they haven't really uh monetized wechat as much as for as for example facebook has monetized their platform um it, the way that i would look at tencent is that it's like buying a piece of property that's uh that's uh, right on top of an oil well but they're not pumping it um, um, so the core value, I think, is there so long as, as people are using WeChat in China. Now, uh, what strategic decisions uh, Tencent uses to monetize WeChat or what they're allowed to do from a, a regulator, what regulators allow them to do, I mean, th those are bigger questions. But uh, when it comes to whether or not Tencent has value, um, I, I'm very, very bullish on that. Uh, I, I mean, I've from their last uh, earnings call, um, you know, I think they were saying that they have two, they want to keep a maximum of two advertisements per day per user, which mm -hmm. is much lower than Facebook and Instagram. Um, and so I think they're more focused on uh, kind of user experience. And uh, I think they also want to keep the quality of their ads very high. Um, like they have this thing where they don't want any medical ads or no peer-to-peer -peer financing ads. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure about the regular, I don't know much about the regulatory headwinds there on their advertising, but I think they're kind of keeping it, keeping it down on their own. That's kind of my read. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, Tencent is not exactly the most uh, open and transparent company, so it's kind of hard to, and, and neither is neither are Chinese regulators. Um, so it is a little, it's a little difficult to uh, to discern exactly what their thinking is behind all of this. Um, but yeah, there is. I, I considering the the primacy that uh, and just just the the pervasiveness that that WeChat has in China. I would imagine that 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 government regulators would be very very concerned about um, making sure that the platform kind of uh, maintains some kind of um, uh, an identity as, as I think, at least in, in in essence or in function as some sort of public utility, I think, um, and all that that entails. Uh, so that's Tencent. Uh, we're going to be talking about them quite a bit, obviously. Uh, they're a very interesting stock to watch. They're a very um, obviously, their future is is a big question mark at the moment, but um, they're 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 going to be something that we're going to be keeping an eye on. But number two here we want to talk about is the other giant, uh, uh, one of the two kind of pillars of the Chinese internet, and that's Alibaba. Um, so Jack Ma recently announced that he would be stepping down uh, as as chairman of Alibaba Group, um, and that Daniel Daniel Jung would be uh, would be would be taking over. He is not known as being the large than life personality that Jack Ma uh, that Jack Ma is, um, but might be more appropriate uh, for this stage um, in Alibaba as, uh, as Alibaba of Alibaba as a company. Um, so Alibaba is known for for Taobao, for Tmall, for for e-commerce, but they aren't just uh, an e-commerce company, are they, James? What? How should when we look at at the Alibaba empire? What are some of the key the key pieces to to, to think about? Um, so the the key pieces, well, let's looking at their mission statement kind of maybe helps a little bit. They they say they want to make it easy to do business anywhere, mm. um, and their their key segments or key pieces of the of that are uh, core commerce, uh, cloud computing, digital media and entertainment, and innovation initiatives. Mm. They also have uh, Ant Financial, which is kind of like WeChat Pay. Um, uh, you know, it's called Alipay, um, and there they have a, a agreed to acquire 33% equity interest um, in Ant Financial. Um, so they have a potential to have some ownership there. So Ant, the relationship between Ant Financial and Alibaba, I think, is a very interesting one, and I think something that that confuses me personally, uh, as well as a lot of other people. Um, so from what I understand, you said that that. They own. They have uh, agreed to to take thirty three percent of of equity of of Ant Financial. Well, 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 explain that a little bit more. Um. So you know, if it's basically a completely separate Ant Financial is a completely separate business in terms of ownership um, from Alibaba. Okay. So they have, but they have a a, a long term contractual relationship with. Uh, and financial. Um, so there is a, there is a connection between and financial and Alibaba. I mean, it used to be a part of Alibaba, but the main connection is that Jack Ma controls a majority of the votes at and financial. Um, so there's you know, and then there's this uh, agreement to acquire thirty three percent of and financial. They have this agreement, but they can't actually act on the agreement until it gets regulatory approval. So whenever that is, um, they'll they'll probably acquire thirty three percent of Ant Financial. So it's it was founded by Jack Ma, um, who's also Alibaba's founder, and they it's kind of um, a key figure with Ant Financial is a key figure within the Alibaba ecosystem, uh, meaning that it it invests in um, a lot of Alibaba's projects. It ha their their payment system is is kind of the 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 lifeblood behind um, uh, a lot of Alibaba's e-commerce, uh, but they're not right. directly connected with Alibaba. They're not owned by Alibaba, which I think is a very complicated relationship as an investor. Because if you're going to say, okay, am I going to, I'm going to, are you going to buy Alibaba stock because you believe in Ant Financial? You're going to buy Ant Financial stock because you believe in Alibaba? Uh, in what way are we to see the two, the connection between the two? Is there a correlation between the two success? Is is one a causation of the other success, and the and the other not a causation of the other? Uh, of, of the other success. Um, 
how are we to look at that relationship as an investor? Um, if I am bullish on Alibaba, w would I necessarily be bullish on Ant Financial? If I'm Ant Financial, would I necessarily, or if I'm bullish on Ant Financial, would I necessarily be bullish on, on Alibaba? Um, how should investors view this relationship? Uh, I think that's, that is a great question. Um, and I think in terms of, you know, if you're looking at if they have a claim on the earnings or the cash flows of Ant Financial, if Alibaba shareholders have a claim on the earnings of Ant Financial, I'd say they don't. But, you know, because it's such a key part of the ecosystem, you know, if Alibaba somehow does something that upsets their users, uh, I think it'll hurt Ant Financial. And if Ant Financial does something that upsets its users, it'll hurt Alibaba. So, you know, that what could that be? That could be like instituting massive, you know, some sort of fees uh, to do any transactions, you know, large fees to do transactions on Alipay uh, would probably hurt Taobao, mm -hmm. um, which is owned by Alibaba. Or if, um, so or if there's a hack, if if Alibaba's ha right. hacked, hacked, we have an issue with Ant Financial and, and vice versa. Yeah, definitely. Um, so here's another question that I have when it comes to Alibaba, and this is this is something that kind of befuddles me a little bit. So uh, if you, if you look at what any kind of uh, analog that Alibaba has, or any kind of comparison, right? So if you compare it with Tencent, if you compare it with Amazon, if you compare it with um, uh, any of these other these other competitors that they that they might have. Um, the so Tencent stock in the last I think last four or five years has has gone through the roof even though they're having a, a hard time right now. Um, let's look at this. So Tencent, right? Uh, five years ago, let me let me get out of here. Tencent was five years ago was selling at eight hundred or eight eighty five dollar Hong Kong dollars per share. That's October twenty five, uh, twenty thirteen. Uh, right now. They are trading at 282 uh, Hong Kong dollars per share. So they've over their valuation, even after uh, they've been taking that haircut lately, um, has has basically tripled. Um, if you look, however, at Alibaba during this period where um, you know these other major internet companies have just been you know going gangbusters, Alibaba went public uh, on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, at $93 uh, per share in, t in September of 2014. Right now they are trading at $142 per share. So even what these are, this is even as Alibaba has had this tremendous success over the last four years, um, they have not, their stock has not done particularly well. They were trading at below IPO price for much of 2015 and 2016 and have only, uh, and only since 2017 when all these uh, tech stocks have just been surging, have they been been seeing some gains. So uh, what's, why, what's wrong with Alibaba's stock? <laughs> um, well, I think there's, you know, I think in general, in China, it seems to be there's been some sort of big change from the beginning of this year, um, and you know it's kind of hard to put your put a uh, your thumb on it. Could be something related to um, regulation. It could be something related to the trade war. It could be something else. Um, now I think Alibaba. It it, it kind of doesn't. You know, it's hard to make sense of, about it. I mean, it's a it's a company that's you know, since 2014 to March 2018, has grown revenues at 48% CAGR. That's, uh, you know, on an annual basis growing 48%. That's amazing. Um, Tencent also has, you know, massive growth like that, but some of the other companies that we're going to talk about uh, do not. So Alibaba is definitely still, I think, a, um, you know, if they can continue growing like that and they can, uh, you know, I. I, I don't see why it wouldn't recover, but it is a little bit more expensive. So if you look at um, kind of on a price to sales basis, Alibaba is at nine and a half and 10 cents at eight and a half. Mm. Um, and on a PE basis, Alibaba is 46 
and ten cents around thirty. So um, they they so may have just IPO'd. They may their IPO may have been too big. I guess. <laughs> yeah, a little too high. Get, yeah, uh, maybe. Uh-huh. Well, there's I, also JD they're competing with. I mean, they they have different uh, a different kind of competitive landscape than than ten cent. And JD's another interesting one to talk about. They're not on our watch list right now, but they might be. They might be at, be getting added later on. They're certainly an interesting company to talk about. Um, so uh, Alibaba, full disclosure, that's another company that I own myself. However, I do not own our third company on our watch list, and that is Baidu. Um, now they're listed as uh, on the NASDAQ, ticker symbol BIDU. Uh, and uh, I guess the big question with Baidu is... Um, uh, are we sure they're a good company? <laughs> I mean, what, what, I, I am not particularly fond of Baidu, just as a Baidu user. Um, you know, we know Google's blocked in China, so you know, Baidu is kind of that, that search engine option, and, and, and I find it to be, uh, like a lot of people, not a very good product to use. Um, if you look at their analogs, right? So, um, you know, if we've seen Alibaba have have not the same kind of growth that Amazon has had, but still very good growth. We've seen Tencent basically uh, be on par with Facebook when it comes to their growth. But Baidu, you know, Google has has skyrocketed um, to the point where they're almost a trillion dollar company, and Baidu is still trading at uh, what's their market cap? Less than a hundred billion dollars. Um, yeah, sixty eight. Yeah, so so what is what's going on with Baidu? Um, you know, so I think looking at kind of what the company does, um, they have two main segments. Um, they're Baidu Core, which is mostly a keyword-based marketing service, and then they have IGE. They actually own uh, just south of sixty percent of IGE. Um, and they previously owned uh, Chunar. They were a majority shareholder in Chunar, and they uh, did a share exchange uh, with Ctrip. So now they own some Ctrip. Um, so they're kind of like a like a uh, I guess like a holder of other. They're also an investor <laughs> in some of these other Chinese companies. In a similar way um, to how Alibaba or or Tencent is, except they don't quite have as many fingers and as many pies. Is that is that right? Uh, I think actually they have more fingers, oh. but I think they're le- in more pies. Maybe same number of fingers, more pies. Um, <laughs> but I think Baidu tends to be a little more concentrated. So like when you see with uh, IGE, I mean owning uh, 58, I think it's 58.8% of IGE is uh, significant. Um, and I think actually IGE was, uh, and I could be wrong, I, I think it was kind of a spin out of of Baidu, um, or they were at least an earlier investor. Um, I know they invested in at least two series, so uh, so yeah. I think, but if you look at you know if you look at revenue growth for Baidu um, from 2013 to 2017 December, um, it's only 28 percent on a uh, annual basis. Um, so they they're quite. Growing quite a bit slower, um, their revenues are also lower. But on a kind of val- ratio valuation basis, um, you know, I said Alibaba and Tencent were nine point five and eight point five um, on a price to sales. Baidu is five, mm. so it's quite a bit lower. Its PE is also lower. It's nineteen right now. So you know, looking at that, you, you might think this is a cheap company or cheaper compared to these other, you know, big companies, you know, they call it BAT, mm. Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, and the B of those is on a, at least on a ratio multiple basis, uh, cheaper. Okay. Well, so then that would, that would be the, the argument for Baidu then. Are, uh, do you mind if I ask, do you own uh, Baidu, James? I do not. And I didn't mention it last time for Alibaba. I do not own Alibaba. Although I may, I am looking at it and I may do something, but right now I have not. Yeah, I'm uh, a big question that I have when it comes to Baidu is that it does seem, uh, and, and, and I've been writing about this some for, for Technode, um, that, that, that Google is, is, is quite intent on entering China in a number of ways uh, and partnering with Tencent in order to do so. Um, so if, if a Google search engine is launched in China, what does that mean for Baidu? <laughs> 
Well, I mean, you know, like like in uh, in the U.S. in at least in outside of China type searching, you Google is is uh, obviously the leader, but there's also other ways to search for content. Um, and in China, there are many ways to search for content. I think Tencent already has some search uh, functions inside of WeChat. Mm-hmm. But if Google were to come in and improve Tencent's WeChat search, I mean that could be that could be a big game changer. Yeah, and a big problem for Baidu. Yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my thought. Um, is that you know I why why Baidu? Well, why what if Google is is teaming with Tencent? Um, you know what is what is even the point of using Baidu? But um, I, I'm also not Chinese. I don't spend quite as much time on the Chinese internet. Um, and 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 also there are there are a whole lot of factors that uh, we may not even be considering. So um, so yeah. But let's uh, let's move on to to uh, our next company, which we've, we've mentioned briefly earlier, uh, is connected with Baidu. Baidu, you said, owns 60% of it. Um, but it is ITE, which is which is often considered the Netflix of China streaming. It is a, a, a video content streaming. Um, uh, and it went public, I believe, earlier this year. Yeah, it went public earlier this year. Uh, or let's, yeah, yeah, in March. Um, uh, and it has, it, it went public at $18 a share. Uh, and now, even after kind of this, this China tech st- sell-off, um, it, they're still trading pretty strong at $23. Um, so what should we know about ITE, James? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of like Netflix. Um, you know, their mission is basically to be uh, the best entertainment platform, uh, I think, in China. Um, you know, they've they've done pretty well. They have uh, quite a lot of. I mean, their their user growth has has been very good. Um, let me see if I can pull up some numbers here. Um, but they, you know, compared to Netflix. So Netflix, I think, has you know last week announced uh, their earnings, and they had a. Their users paying are not total subscribers, so that includes people that are also on a trial. Are 137 million, and uh, Tencent has. Um, I mean, sorry, IGE has uh, about 67 million paying subscribers. Um, so it's you know it's just it's only in China, um, and they have that many. It's you know it's pretty pretty good. Uh, you know if you take you look at uh, Netflix, they have basically, they think they've sort of topped out, or some analysts think they've topped out their subscribers in the U.S. at about 60 million. Mm. And the rest of their user growth is coming from international. Mm. Um, IGE, on the other hand, does not really have uh, international users, although I think they could probably sell some of their content, you know, around uh, kind of the Asian countries um over here but they they still have like a pretty long way to go i think in in china when it comes to subscribers i think there's something like 400 million millennials in china and if you know they can get half of those uh millennials to subscribe you know it's it's pretty pretty solid um though a subscriber for netflix is not necessarily the same as a subscriber for ige i think uh, first of all, the price monthly prices are much different, mm. um, but also I think you know IGE has free content, and every now and then they'll come out with kind of these blockbuster uh, shows. And when these shows come out, they get a, a a burst of subscribers. I don't know if those subscribers stay for um, you know for like an entire year, or if they just stay while. They're watching the show and then kind of become a non-paying subscriber uh, and then come back to being a paying subscriber when uh, when they want to. Yeah, it seems as though, I mean, I, I am uh, actually just this morning, uh, I, I'm a big NBA fan and I even even I'm, I'm down in Bangkok right now. And the way that I watch my my uh, my basketball is I actually turn on my Chinese VPN. So instead of it's a VPN to basically route me back to a Chinese IP address. And then uh, I go on uh, Tencent Sports to watch NBA. And very often they'll say, okay, you can't watch this game unless you pay five RMB or 10 RMB. And it's such a, it's such a low amount of money that I will often just be paying per game and never pay per, for a prescription or a subscription. Now, 
Um, it seems like this is quite common as a model in China, where they have this kind of, it's kind of a freemium uh, approach where you get some for free and then you have to pay for others, but you, you pay per show or per episode rather than getting this, uh, you know, this commitment to a subscription per month. Now, um, as, as a user, I like that, and it, it, it might actually, I don't know if it brings in more money or not, but you got to think that as, when it comes to it, at least planning, uh, financial planning, that, that's got to be more difficult for these companies if they don't know, if it's hard to project. Um, they can't project based on these, these subscriptions that they have. They have to know how much of people are going to pay per specific uh, uh, amount of content. If you do uh, subscribe to iQIYI, I think it's a little cheaper if you sign up for you know three months, six months, one year. Um, but they, they have all sorts of interesting monetization or like ways, uh, strategies to get you to become a subscriber. There's actually uh, two levels of subscriber. There's the regular one and then there's VIP. Mm. And so, you know, some of their content, like the some of this blockbuster stuff will be like 80 episodes of a show. It all comes out kind of like a big chunk of the shows will come out at once. And then they'll offer free content for, say, 20 of the 80. Uh, and so as you're watching the show, you know, you get more into the characters and it gets more, everything gets more interesting. Um, and then you get to the end of 20 shows and they're like, OK, now you need to start paying. And so you, ob you obviously, you know, you want to figure out what happens. Um, the first hit is always free. And so, so then, I, yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, they have the VIP where... If you the VIP will have access to eight extra episodes ahead of the regular subscriber. So, you know, if you want to discuss any of these shows with your friends or, you know, which clearly people do, um, if there are eight episodes ahead of you, you're going to find you're they're going to spoil it and ruin it for you. So um, you kind of have to sign up for that, too. It's, it's wow. uh, yeah. But I mean, I mean, it sounds like they, they I, ITE, I, I, I don't own ITE, um, but I'm interested in it very much so. And it, look at uh, their market cap is 17 billion US dollars right now. Um, Netflix's market cap is 143. So um, if if you are positive, if, if you're optimistic about uh, ITE's uh, room to grow, if you're optimistic about their business model, I mean, there is, there, they're, they have quite a high ceiling when it comes to their value. Um, so they're a stock that I'm going to be watching, and I'm I am personally considering buying this. I don't know, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I'm 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 wondering about. Um, but I'm also interested uh, in Billy Billy. Uh, which is another uh, streaming platform out of China, um, and that's another platform that that stock has been whose stock who, they went public uh, within the past year, and their stock has been pretty resilient um, in this downturn. So if if you are somebody who um, who is interested in these Chinese tech companies who wants to invest in Chinese stocks, and maybe you, know, you don't have the stomach for 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 taking the kind of spills that we've seen out of the JDs and the Ten Cents and the Alibabas lately, oh, I, I'd encourage you to look at some of these streaming platforms like ITE and um, and uh, and Billy Billy. Uh, but speaking of, of of the kind of um, of the kind of company that you might need a stronger stomach uh, to hold, we're gonna go with our fourth our fifth uh, 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 stock on our watch list, and that's Xiaomi. Um, Xiaomi went public in Hong Kong earlier this year, and they were supposed to be the superstar IPO. Um, of, of, of this year for China, and it has not gone as, as many have hoped. Um, they, the, they were hoping for, and kind of their, their, their bulls were hoping for, uh, an IPO that would, uh, place their market cap, uh, around, uh, 180 to 100 billion U.S. dollars. Um, they went public with a market cap of, of 50 billion US dollars and uh, trading at 16.8 Hong Kong dollars per share uh, after an initial spike um, that had them up to, to uh, about 21, do 21 Hong Kong dollars per share. And their CEO and founder, Lei Jun, saying that he anticipates them trading at consistently at over 
30, they have gone pretty much nowhere but down ever since. And at this moment, uh, they are trading at 12 Hong Kong dollars and 48 cents for a share. Um, they're not doing well, James. Um, what, what, what's up with Xiaomi? Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is, a. Uh... You know, it's kind of like the Apple, I guess, in our in our Fang kind of comparison, right? Um, so Xiaomi, uh, they, what do they do? So they make smartphones. They also make IoT and lifestyle products, um, and they also provide internet services, which are like the the Mi the Xiaomi app, kind of like the App Store. Uh, they also have Xiaomi Video and music and uh, media. Um, they also have a very small stake in like uh, around 1% of the voting rights uh, of IGE. Uh -huh. um, but when you look at this, the majority of their revenue comes from smartphones, about 67% uh, based on their, and then their IOT and lifestyle is about 23%, and then internet services is about nine. Um, they want to tell the story that they're gonna be an internet service company, that that's, that is the future. And the reason why they want to say that and it's a good idea and they should do it is because when you look at the um, gross margin of these different businesses, their phones is only 6.6%, their IoT gross margins 9.4%, and their internet services is 62%. So this, you know, it is a good idea to go that way. Um, I think the question, I mean, it's very clear that uh, that their smartphones can offer services so you'll have you you know kind of like an iphone ios you have your app store you have you know music you have all these things and that'll you subscribe to those they collect some sort of uh if you buy an app they'll get they'll get paid some of that so um i think that's kind of the story why you know why is it not happening uh well I think, you know, when you look at the IoT, I, I don't really see how some of these IoT products they sell are going to translate into internet service uh, revenues. Um, but, you know, if if you are bullish on the stock, I think that means that you have to, you kind of have to believe that it's a revenue growth story, that this is something that they will be able to uh, grow their revenues over 60% for the next couple of years. Um, and if they do, I mean, the valuation today, even it, it probably makes sense. Now, if they if their revenue is below 60%, I would say, you know, you probably want something, um, a little lower than it is today, but you know, that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, I should also say I'm not, I do not have a position in Xiaomi. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Um, uh, and um, I and I do not intend to. Um, I I am quite bearish on Xiaomi. I mean, saying that they're they they will often be called the the Apple of of China, right? Um, and I guess you could, you could call them that. I mean, but that, that's like when I when I go and uh, you know go go out and play basketball here, uh, you know, in my neighborhood in Bangkok. That's like saying that I'm the Michael Jordan of Bangkok. Yes, sure, I play basketball and Michael Jordan plays basketball. That doesn't make me a good Michael Jordan compared. Right. So, what what makes Apple a good company? Right. They have, as uh, as uh, uh, Scott Galloway uh, says, he says that uh, I, I like this 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 metaphor. He says that that they have basically Toyota scale at Ferrari margins, right? So they, they have the margins of a luxury product, but the scale of an everyman's product. Um, so they're they're able to just just be making margins on their these huge margins on their on their hardware alone, right? Not to mention all of their internet services. Plus, they have the most coveted uh, user base uh, in the world, right? People who are uh, wealthy, uh, kind of fashion forward, um, cool, um, and uh, so the, if you if you go to any major urban center in the world, um, the you're gonna the more the wealthier the neighborhood you're in, the more uh, uh, Apple products you're gonna find. I mean, a, a, Apple has distinguished itself as a brand with its supply chain and um, you know with its its user base in ways that 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 Xiaomi could never hope to do. Um, I mean, really. Uh, the, so if you look at 
Xiaomi, who are Xiaomi's users? Well, first of all, they're, they're, they, they, they go for lower end users and that's fine. That's good. I mean, I think Apple's kind of a ripoff. I don't have an iPhone, um, but they, their users do not have the kind of money to be, uh, you know, forking over for the kind of margins that, that makes a company like that profitable. They don't have the, they're not, they're probably not going to be spending as much on internet services. So, um, I don't, and then if you look at the way Xiaomi has, has expanded their growth, a lot of it is from basically acquiring growth in, in, uh, you know, taking on debt and, uh, and expanding, you know, they lost $7 billion last year as part of their India, uh, uh, um, expansion. Now it's easy to expand, uh, you know, you can expand in, in a country if you're able to just un undercut everyone else on prices. Um, but you can't do that forever. And I, I kind of wonder if that's going to be the Xiaomi story. Yeah, I think, you know, just to add to that. So last year, if you look at the six months ended June 30th numbers and looking at their non IFRS, um, which takes out some fair value changes and share based compensation, compensation, uh, net fair value gains, and as well as some amortization numbers, their net margins are 4.8%. So they were positive. Um, and that's right around the range that uh, Xiaomi CEO Lei Jun said, you know, in a in their listing document in Hong Kong, that they long over the long term they seek to target five percent net profit margins, um, which is you know an, another interesting thing when you compare that to Apple. Uh, you know, Apple's not targeting low margin; they're targeting high margin, um, and. You know, it's just uh, it. You know, it might work. I mean, honestly, the strategy might work. It's there are a lot more um, kind of lower income people in the world, uh, so it's, it's a numbers game. Mm. Uh, if they can get their phones in all those people's hands and sell them internet services that are priced right for them, you know, over the long term, this you know it, it could work. Right. So like like um. You know, like like we said before, uh, you know, James and I, we are, we have, we have finite knowledge. We are not, uh, you know, know-it-all experts on this stuff, even if we might sound like it or have the attitudes of it, of them. Uh, but I, what I would like to say is that if you, if you are a Xiaomi bull and you're listening to this and you're saying like these guys are, are full of crap when it comes to to, to Xiaomi. Uh, reach out to us, uh, let us know your thoughts, uh, and prove us wrong. I, w both of us, we welcome to be proven wrong um, if you have a good case. So uh, tweet at me, that's E-L-L-I-O-T-T-Z-A-A-G-M-A-N, -T -T or, or James here, James Hull X, G-A-M-E-S, uh, H-U-L-L-X um, uh, on Twitter, and, uh, and let us know why we're wrong. And another thing that I want you uh, all to be, to be tweeting at us uh, is what do you think should be uh, our next addition to our watch list, right? So maybe it's a, maybe it's Meituan Zianping, maybe it's Pinduoduo, maybe it's uh, JD. Uh, but let us know. Or Billy, 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 right? So let us know what you think we should be adding to our watch list and why. And if you give us a good uh, a good recommendation and give us a good case, we'll we'll mention you uh, on the podcast here. Um, and uh, and and we'll add we'll add uh, we'll add to our watch list here. But uh, we're we're about to uh, 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 finish this uh, this episode, um, inaugural episode, by the way. Um, but first, uh, James and I we have uh, we want to be talking about what we're going to be watching for the next week. Uh, so James, uh, what are you going to be keeping your eye on when it comes to the markets for the next week? Uh, so I guess it's a little more than a week, but. Um... Alibaba is announcing earnings on November 2nd. Uh, I will be watching for that. And then also um, over the last weekend, I think we should say we're recording this on uh, October 23rd. Over the weekend, um, there was some, uh, I guess Xi Jinping said that, uh, you know, China will support private businesses. And I think that's something that everyone kind of needed to hear, and you saw the market react very positively on Monday. Um, but you know, I think I will keep keep an eye on you know looking for things that uh, you know that kind of point to that you know different markers that show that that is happening. Um, and I don't I don't know if anything will happen in a week, but I'll, I am I will keep an eye on it. Yeah, I'll be looking at that as well. I mean, to me, I am. Um 
I am always I I always uh, tend to to look at you know what the what the relevant organs uh, do <laughs> rather than say I mean j just making that statement you know that uh, you know that 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 had some good movement or caused some good movement on the on the markets yesterday um, now a lot of them are back down again um, and to me I uh, I'm a little skeptical about um, about you know whether or not they're going to have policies to really uh, to really encourage their private enterprise, but um, I think that the problem is a lot bigger than 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 just than they might be able to solve uh, with just a, a few policy tweaks. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, what I'm going to be looking at uh, over the next week and for a long time, actually, this is what I'm always paying, been paying attention to a lot, um, is Meituan Dianping. Um, now, I believe I haven't. I, I'm I'm a relatively new investor. Uh, but I, from what I understand, they're they went public in Hong Kong. And do foreigners, if you're if you're not in Hong Kong, do you have to wait a, a year in order to buy a Hong Kong stock? I don't think so. No. Oh really? Okay. I've heard somebody say something. Anyways, so, but uh, so but I haven't tried to buy uh, a stock after going, uh, uh, you know, within a year of going public in Hong Kong. But um, one thing that I am very interested in and very bullish on over the long term is is May twenty Jinping. Um, when you consider the kind of moat that they've built with all of that user data in China, they're they're burning money right now um, with the bike sharing, uh, with their um, their you know their their food delivery. But I think the long term prospects for this company, I am really really excited about and really enthusiastic about. Um, so. I am going to be uh, kind of hoping for them to. I'm going to be seeing how far they will fall because they've been slumping since their IPO. But I think that they are a very good buy. So um, if I, so, I'm going to be going to be watching and see how long that they, how far they fall. And I do think that they may end up becoming quite a good value buy if they're not already. So uh, that's my thought. I haven't bought them yet, but uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely considering it and, and, and keeping an eye on it. So, um, James, uh, anything else you want to say? Can I just add, add one thing about Meituan uh, Dianping? I saw a report that actually they uh, more hotels are booked through their service than Trip, which <laughs> I thought was very surprising. But um, it's from a company called Trust Data. Um, and that I thought that was that was very interesting. Well, I heard that as well, um, and yeah, and and that's kind of w what makes me so bullish on on Meituan Dianping, or at least very interested in them, because of how uh, there there real there really is no uh, uh, Silicon Valley analog to them. They're kind of they're part Yelp, part Food Panda, part um, you know Lime Bike. Right there, there is there. They part built, booking, yeah, part booking. Right there, there, yeah. there. This, this, this ecosystem that's not that there isn't really an analog to, but the data on which is incredibly valuable. Um, so and, and also their management uh, with Wang Xing, he's probably from what I understand. Now I, I have you know circles, selective circles that I that I, I I work in, but he seems to be probably the most respected. Uh, uh, entrepreneur in China, um, uh, at least internet entrepreneur in China. Um, so, uh, from from looking at just kind of the, the the basics of this company as a long term play, um, I I am very interested uh, in Meituan DMB. Uh, James, do you have anything you wanna you wanna add before we sign off? Um, I guess just I hope uh, the listeners enjoyed it, and you know this is this has been fun and. I uh, look forward to the next episode. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Thank you, James, for being here. Uh, and we look forward to the next episode. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.